Let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we just want to ask that you would speak to us now. Father God, lead us on to worship you. Please soften our hearts. Please uh, give attention to our minds. We might hear from you and you alone. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, please open with me uh, your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Matthew chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 12. It's our second uh, talk. It's very echoey, isn't it? But you still hear me all right. Um, it's the second talk on Matthew, Matthew's version of uh, Christmas, the, the first couple, of, the first little part of it. So Matthew 2, chapter, uh, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it was stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I wonder if uh, you have ever observed the different ways that people respond to the arrival of a new person. Not any person, but a charismatic person. A person who has some positive qualities about them that sort of makes them stand out um, from the crowd. You know, it might be at your school, it might be at your work, your sporting club, maybe your uni, maybe a, a new arrival into your immediate friendship group, maybe even here at church. I can remember when a bloke called Ben Goulet rocked up at my school in about year 10. He was the, the new arrival, the new kid on the block, if you like, and he was met with different responses. I think the girls warmed to him because he was pretty good looking. He was intelligent, uh, seemed confident. He treated people with respect. He was funny and uh, a great footy player. What girl doesn't want a great footy player? I think the girls really warmed to him. But the fellas, the lads, the guys in the popular group of our school, 
um, they didn't think much of him at all. They just seemed to treat him with disdain. And whenever they could, they would let him know that they didn't like him. Ben Goulet, the new arrival, met with varied response. Some acceptance, very warm, and uh, some just kind of outright uh, rejecting him. And all the kind of the, all the responses in the middle. Another image that comes to my mind of that kind of schoolyard dynamic is, comes to me in the, the form of a David Attenborough wildlife doco. And the image is, is one of a pride of lions in some way on an African savanna and a pride of lions that has this social hierarchy, um, you know, has a leading male and with related females and all their offspring. The male uh, rank, all rank out the females. That's not like the schoolyard environment. Um, but in the pride, there's like this social order, just like my school. But every now and then, a new male lion comes into the, the, the kind of the pride and, and uh, starts to question the leadership. And uh, there's a little bit of, um, everything goes a bit out of order in the pride. Females come and check out the new talent and the boys realise that there's competition for that top position. There's a new threat it's a new thread and it must be worked out where everybody sits in this new social order. It's violent and it's unsettling. Now, if you're anything like me, um, you may have found yourself at times responding in a kind of threatened way when people who have, have new have kind of come in and, they've, and have challenged perhaps your position. They've moved into your domain and you've found yourself feeling not so warm to that individual. At Christmas, we're reminded again of a new arrival. It's the arrival of Jesus, the birth of a cute little baby called Jesus, but a cute little baby that's also king. And today, this King Jesus is strong and powerful, perfect and righteous, loving and merciful. And King Jesus reigns today. He reigns today and will reign forevermore. And one day, his kingship over the whole world will be revealed. The lights will go on. And everybody will see with perfect clarity. The words King Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago are the same words he speaks to each and every person today. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. King Jesus arrives and says, The kingdom of God, my glorious kingdom of peace and love, is near. It's within reach. It's close enough for you to enter now. But I'm the king. I'm the king. And you are not. Repent and believe the good news. I wonder, how are you responding to King Jesus as he arrives into your domain? Not everyone responds in the same way. And in tonight's passage, we see two, two kind of polar opposites of how people respond to Jesus. Please look with me back at verse 
1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to worship. Uh, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Magi from the east have travelled from far to worship the newborn King Jesus. This is a great way. This is a great way to respond to Jesus. Worship. It's quite amazing. The people are quite, it's quite out there that these people should actually come and worship Jesus. The Magi are believed to be a cast of wise men, most likely from Babylon, about a thousand clicks away. And the Magi, this is the, the weird part. They specialise in the natural sciences, in astronomy, you know, the study of the stars, and astrology. The study of the positions of stars and celestial bodies so that, you know, and to use them to predict the future, to understand events. We might compare the Magi, the wise men, to people who have an Eastern religion way of life or are into New Age spirituality. We might see the Magi as being the the people now, the astrologists, who are deeply into studying star signs to predict future events. In the Christian faith, such people are often looked down upon as being way off track. And here, at the very first Christmas, Eastern religion, New Age astrologers, are some of the very first people to respond rightly to King Jesus, to the Magi worship Jesus. I love what this tells us about who can come and worship Jesus. It's kind of saying that it doesn't matter what you've been into in your past. It doesn't matter if you've been practicing a form of spirituality that's in opposition to the worship of the one true God. You can still come and worship Jesus. It's interesting that some Christians can appear to get self-righteous about their faith in Jesus. They can even at times appear to look down at other people who don't believe. It's like they're better or have some kind of personal ability that enables them to worship. And those that aren't Christian can never have what they have. But it's not true. The amazing thing is that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is not just for Jews. Jesus is not just for Christians. No, worship of Jesus is available to all people. Everyone can come and worship him. Everyone. In verses 9 to 11, uh, we read about the moment when they finally make the journey and they get there. They get to, uh, to Bethlehem. And they see baby Jesus. This is what it reads in, at verse 9. It says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense, out of myrrh. This is amazing. 
Surely this is the response that um, to have. Verse 11 again, it says, They bowed down. They bowed down and worshipped him. These magi from afar, no lineage in the Jewish faith, uh, previously no allegiance to the Christian faith, overjoyed, bowing to worship the king of the world. That's the right response, the right response to the arrival of Jesus into your domain. Bow before him and worship him. Now, I I would think that the Magi, at this point in time, there should have been this really long line of people behind them, a long line of people who were also making this journey to come and worship this king of the world, a line of people that perhaps would extend from 0 AD to Christmas 2008. You would think that people from everywhere would be hearing about Jesus and this, the kingdom of God and they would come to worship him and they would enter into his kingdom. The here in Wodonga, it would be the same. That there'd be people knocking at the door tonight or coming to you if you've got this message, going to wherever they can to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. But I don't see the people. Not everyone is overjoyed when Jesus arrives into their domain. Let's keep reading from verse, uh, verse 3, but we'll, read, we'll actually go back and we'll read from verse 1. Another response. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. At the news of the Magi looking for the new king to worship, King Herod and all Jerusalem disturbed, the whole city kind of shaken. The word used, translated as disturbed, has a sense of anxiety or to be deeply troubled. It sounds like everyone in the city, upon hearing the news from these three strange fellows, are thrown into deep anxiety, are thrown into a place of fear. We could say that King Herod, in particular, he was threatened. He is king, but what's this news about another king? The king feels threatened because his throne, his reign, his power, his autonomy, it's all at risk. So Herod hatches a plan. From verse 4 we read, When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. The plan is not to worship Jesus. We later read that Herod actually wants to kill Jesus, to get rid of the threat. You keep reading and you realise that he missed Jesus, so he decides to kill all the boys, two years and under, in Bethlehem and the whole vicinity around it, to try and get rid of the threat. It's that African savannah all over again. 
the social hierarchy has been a bit disturbed. A new lion enters the pride. This lion, though, is not up to defeat. This lion is powerful, raw power, raw beauty. This lion is destined to be king of the pride. And everyone's disturbed, everyone's threatened because they no longer have the power, they no longer have the autonomy. They no longer have the ability to do whatever they want and suffer no consequence. Some put up a fight, some just slink away. And as the threatened lions retreat away from the pride, away from the lion's kingdom, if you like, the solo males just, you know, up for pickings from other animals. The arrival of King Jesus, it can, he can humble people and lead them to bow to him in worship. But the arrival of King Jesus into a person's domain can also deeply threaten. They're no longer the king. They are unable to do whatever they want anymore without consequence. I wonder this Christmas, have you encountered the real, the living, the alive King Jesus who reigns now in the throne of God in heaven? How are you responding? Do you bow before him in worship? Are you threatened by these claims? Are you partially threatened? Are you somewhere in between that spectrum? I was thinking through this, and I think it's interesting, and I don't know where you sit, whether or not you are threatened by God's claim that he is God and you are not, and he requires something of you. I wonder if that's you. As I was thinking about this, I thought to myself, can a right response toward God actually begin with the with the understanding or the feeling of being threatened, I thought, I wonder if you can have a right response go from there. Do you know what I mean? Like, so the idea that you know, you're threatened by God because God's making a claim on your life and you kind of realise, oh my goodness me, I now realise I've been playing king and I've been messing around on someone else's throne. Like the king rocks up and you just go... Maybe don't do hand gestures, whatever, yeah? <laughs> but that feeling of dread when you realise you're out of line. You're out of line with someone great. And the full impact of their power, maybe even the punishment that awaits you, that kind of dawns on you. You know, for some, you know, like picture it, you're playing around on someone else's throne. For some it might go, sorry. <laughs> and it might be that in you evokes a deep repentance toward the important one. You know, you acknowledge you're wrong and you ask for forgiveness for what you've just done. But then others, what happens is through their folly or sinfulness, they don't drop to their knees and seek repentance and and ask God to forgive them. They actually kind of just, you know, dig their heels in even more. And they kind of puff up their chest. They kind of want to defy God. If you're feeling threatened by God, deeply or partially, maybe it's time to humble yourself. Bow before Jesus and worship him. You know, it doesn't matter if, um, it doesn't matter how much you've ignored God to this point. It doesn't matter how much you've defied God in his way. It 
doesn't matter. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Through repentance and faith toward Jesus, through uh, faith in Jesus that he died for all your rejection of him, that he offered his life for your sin against God, through faith in him, you can find perfect forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you've done now. It's how you respond to him today. So how are you responding? Are you responding in worship? Are you just threatened or are you just cold and you're kind of still trying to ignore God? What are you doing? Without wanting to state the obvious, God desires that all people will worship him. This is truly what he wants for us. He's created us. He's created every person. We are ultimately his and he wants us to worship him. So what are we waiting for? Let's go down to Michael Hill, get some gold and go worship. Let's uh, go down to Mystic Mayhem, get some incense and go worship. And uh, myrrh, by the way, is what you embalm people with. So why right, let's go down to John Hossack. <laughs> get some myrrh if they've got any. They might be a bit like unsure about that. The question is, though, like, how, how, what do we, what's this worship look like? How do we worship Jesus? We get told over and over again, we sing songs saying we worship Jesus. It's a very big question. People write PhDs on this question, and then they scratch the surface, kind of just take the top off. I'm going to try in five minutes, and I'll probably oversimplify and, and, and uh, miss important truths, but allow me to have a crack at it. How do we worship Jesus? How do we worship Jesus? By giving our life over to Jesus to become more like Jesus. Covers a lot. That's what I reckon worship is. How do you worship God? How do you worship Jesus? You give your life over to Jesus. You surrender it to him so that you can become more like Jesus. John 17, 4 speaks about Jesus, speaks about why he's the paradigm to follow to worship. He says, I have brought you glory. This is Jesus talking to God the Father. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus saying, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus brought the Father glory, glory, this praise and honour. Glory, it's like worship. Jesus is the Son of God. He's perfect in every way, shape and form. And his whole life, every aspect of Jesus gives glory to God. His physical life while he walked on this earth is the ultimate tangible expression of what it looks like to bring delight to God. So it goes without saying, the more our life matches up with the life of Jesus, the more we worship Jesus, the more we worship God. The more our life, and that is to say, the more our hearts and thoughts, actions, words, the way we relate to ourselves, 
the way we relate to other people, the way we relate to God, the more our life matches up to the life of Jesus, the more we worship, the more we please God, the more God is glorified, the more God is honoured. We worship God by giving our life over to Jesus to become more like Jesus. What does Jesus' life look like? Well, long answer. Read about him. Study him. Short answer. I'd say it's summarised in one statement. One statement summarises what Jesus is on about, what every action comes from. In Matthew 22, verse 36 and on, it says, Ah, When he gets asked, what's the greatest commandment? You should almost be able to say it off by heart. If you can't, practice. Jesus replied to that, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This should be the goal of every person. Love. Love God with your everything. Love people as much as you love yourself. Now, right now, some of you are thinking, Phil, that is boring. Phil. I've heard it before. Tell me something new. Phil, that's Sunday school stuff. Please tell me some kind of deep Greek, deep Hebrew, some kind of powerful theological truth. Don't insult me with the basics. To you, if you're thinking that, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so very sorry. Maybe you've got the wrong Jesus. While the Christian faith is immensely rich and deep and the nature of God uh, beyond full comprehension and stuff we want to get into to understand, use our mind and get into that, at a basic level, it is simple and clear. Extremely hard to apply Extremely hard to live by, but at its rawest level, it's simple and clear. God wants us to become more like Jesus. And Jesus, when he said what he was really on about, says, I'm on about love. I'm on about loving God and I'm on about loving people. Jesus says, to love God, I love him with my all, my everything, every." Part of me, I want to love God. My heart, my mind, my strength, everything of me, I just want to love God. To unbelieving people, Jesus says, I want to love them into the kingdom. I want to love them outside of the kingdom and I want to keep loving them outside of the kingdom until maybe they might enter into the kingdom. To believing people, Jesus says, I want to love them so that they become more like me. I want to forgive them. 
I want to support them. I want to lead them. I want to encourage them. I want to rebuke them. That's what it means to love like Jesus. A friend of mine heard a phrase once that describes this way of Jesus. The way of Jesus, and hence our way if we're followers of Jesus. He says that you can pursue love, pursue loving in three different directions. And you kind of got to do it simultaneously. For the blokes, I'm sorry, that's a challenge. But there's three different directions we got to love simultaneously. And he summarizes it upwards, inwards, and outwards. These are three directions to love. We must love upwards. That is our God. We love God. We do that. We keep doing that. And we grow at doing that. To love inwards is the people of God. And we've got to love the people in the kingdom of God. We love them more and more and more. And to love outwards are the unbelievers. God desires that we worship the newborn king. How? To surrender our lives to Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus in loving upwards and inwards and outwards. I want to make an important note. Uh, it's kind of like the, the but, if you like. Entrance to the kingdom of God, friendship with God, friendship in peace with the God of the, the heavens, the sustainer of this world, doesn't come through loving people. I'm sorry about that. That's kind of not a way in. No, Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The path to knowing God and living a life that brings glory and honour to him begins with repentance from all that we do that rejects God as our king. All the stuff we do that just ignores him, our way of life. And faith in Jesus Christ for our forgiveness. It's repentance and faith. And let me say that this repentance, I reckon it makes perfect sense. Uh, If you wrong a friend of yours, if you wrong wrong a friend of yours, you deeply do them something wrong, you can't just start being nice to them and act like there's nothing happened, but really be really nice um, to make the friendship right again. It doesn't work. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to take responsibility for your, your actions. You've got to suck it in, go to the person and ask for forgiveness. If you wrong a friend, if you want that friendship, you have to put yourself on the line where they either show mercy to you and forgive you, or they don't. So it is with getting right with God. But God, for the truly repentant, is forever merciful. For every person here tonight, I want to say that God's desire for you is that you come to worship Jesus the King, so that you surrender your life to Jesus, so that you can become more and more like Jesus. That's his desire for your life, that you'd enter the kingdom and that you'd experience all the pleasure and blessings that relationship with God provides. I wonder, as King Jesus enters your life's domain, once again I'm asking, how are you responding? Are you responding as God desires for you? Or are you just kind of like not responding? Are you cold? Are you kind of seeking to put your fingers in your ears or whatever and turn away and call it rubbish? Or are you threatened by this, the claims of the king on your life? I plead with you, respond rightly. Let me conclude. 
Four years ago, I arrived at Wodonga Baps. I was made the youth and young adult pastor of this church. Let me say to you, let me say to you so you hear it, I'm not unique. I'm not one to put myself forward as a leader, as a pastor. I'm not one to uh, be confident in my own abilities. And I'm not confident. But I can say that God has chosen me. He's chosen to use me to serve his mission of building the kingdom, of helping the kingdom of God, God's kingdom of peace and love, come to this earth. He's used me to do that. I think I can say that God has used me to help people live a life that worships Jesus. I think I can say that. I say this not to boast. Please don't hear it as a boast. I say it to inspire and encourage you. Fair Nickham, if God can use me, he can use you. There are a lot of goals and reasons to live that people market to us from all sorts of locations in our society. And they say, this is the most fulfilling and best, most valuable way of spending your life and goal to live for. They shout their benefits to us. What God often whispers. Let me leave with you one message that I hope you'll remember and put into action and make a priority for the rest of your life. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Surrender to Jesus. Allow him to make you more like himself and worship Jesus. There is no other life without Jesus. Let's pray. Break our hearts, God. Pierce our hearts. For those of you, us who have held you back, for those of us that don't believe, for those of us that have defined you wrongly, for those of us who are silent and cold, for those of us who are threatened by you, great King Jesus, pierce our hearts, peel us open, and by your grace and mercy, reveal, reveal yourself to us that we may know your great love, great love that is real and tangible, a relationship with you, God, that lasts both now into eternity. Jesus, see your love onto our hearts, confirming us how real you are. I pray for people here tonight who have got you wrong. Oh, God, just move in their hearts. May they bow before you in worship. May they realize that you are great, God. We pray this for your kingdom to come on earth, for you to be glorified in this earth. Lord, for those of us who know you already, Lord, help us live for you. Help us surrender more of ourselves to you, Jesus.
Help us become more like you, Jesus, in the way we love you and the way we love those around us. And as we do that, Lord, may your kingdom come on this earth. May Aubrey Wodonga and the district and every place we walk, every place we live, may we be a witness to you. Be glorified always, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That might be right now. You might just want to take these moments to pray and to say, yes, God, you're talking to me. Yes, I need to turn. Yes, I need to repent. Yes, I need to respond to Jesus with open arms. Uh, Why don't you take a few moments just to do that. Let's pray together. There's the blue cards. It might be for you. You might just want to tick. Tonight, I'm returning to Jesus after wandering away. It might be that you want to say, I'm receiving Jesus into my life for the very first time. It might be tonight you want to uh, just say, ask for prayer on there. Why don't we just take a moment for you to respond. You can pray, just yourself responding, or just complete the blue card in these next moments. This is our time to respond to all that we've heard. Let's do that together. hearing your word and sensing uh, the urgency of time for us to respond. This Christmas, let us not be casual. Let us not uh, respond half-hearted to the gospel. But Lord, help us to surrender everything to you. Our heart, soul, mind. Let us worship you. Lord, for those tonight that are deciding to do that for the very first time, Lord, would you just... Give them such strong assurance of your forgiveness through Jesus. And would you flood them with your Holy Spirit and give them assurance that they know you as they put their trust in you. Lord, for each of us, help us live lives that every day seek to glorify you. But now we come to offer our offering to you to give of ourselves, to give of the things that we've earned, to give in response. And as we do, we just want to say thank you. You've given us so much. You've given us your son. You've given us the gospel. You've given us your word. God, you just keep showering us with blessing after blessing, and we just want to say thank you. Take our offering. Take our worship now. We're so thankful. Our hearts are full through what you've done. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. In these moments, our offering is going to come and be uh, taken up. And the blue card, um, you can just put it in your offering as well. Let's continue to worship. Let's continue to give ourselves to him as we worship him through our giving.